Chapter Two, Part A of Greener Than You Think. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Greener Than You Think by Ward Moore. Chapter Two Consequences of a Discovery. Part A. "'But it's got to be stopped!' exclaimed Goots. Miss Frances turned silently back to her flower-pot as though she'd forgotten us. Goots coursed the kitchen floor like a puzzled yet anxious hound. "'Damn it, it's got to be stopped!' He halfway extracted his pack of cards, then hastily withdrew his hand as though guarding the moment's gravity. "'Otherwise, why, otherwise it'll swallow the house!' He decided on the cards, after all, and balanced four of them edgewise on the back of his hand. Miss Frances immediately abandoned the flower-pot to stare childishly at the feet. "'In fact, if what you say is true, it will literally swallow up the house. Digest it! Convert it into devil-grass!' Dactylon, what I say is true. How much elementary physics is involved in that trick?' "'But that's terrible!' protested Goots. He regarded a bowl of algae as if about to make it disappear. Mentally, I agreed. One of the greatest potential money-makers of the age, lost and valueless. "'Yes,' she agreed. "'It is terrible. Terrible as the starvation in a hive when the apiarist takes out the winter honey. Terrible as the daily business in an abattoir. Terrible as the appetite of grown fish at spawning time.' Pooh, fate, kismet, nature. Ah, you are unconcerned with catastrophes which don't affect man. Local man, substituted Goots. Los Angeles man. Pithecanthropus moviensis. Stiffs in Constantinople are strictly AP stuff. It seems to me, I broke in, that you are both assuming too much. I don't know of anything that calls for the word catastrophe. I'm sure I'm sorry if the Dinkman's house is swallowed up, as Goot suggests, but it hasn't been, and I'm sure the possibility is exaggerated. The authorities will do something, or the grass will stop growing. I don't see any point in looking at the blackest side of things. Goots opened his mouth in pretended astonishment. While I swan, boys a philosopher. You are not particularly concerned, Wiener? I don't know any reason why I should be, I retorted. I sold your product in good faith, and I am not responsible. Oh, blind, blind. Do you imagine one man can suffer and you not suffer? Is your name Simeon Stilites? Do you think for an instant what happens to any man doesn't happen to every man? Are you not your brother's keeper? She twisted her hands together. Not responsible. Why, you are responsible for every brutality, execution, meanness, and calamity in the world today. I had often heard that the borderline between profundity and insanity was thin and inexact, and it was now clear on which side she stood. I looked at Goots to see how he was taking her hysterical outburst, but he had found a batch of empty test-tubes which he was building into a perilously swaying structure. "'Of course, of course,' I agreed soothingly, backing away. "'You're quite right.' 
She walked the floor as if her awkward body were a burden. Is the instant response to an obvious truth, platitude even, always a diagnosis of lunacy? I state a thought so old no one knows who first expressed it, and a hearer feels bound to choose between offense to himself and contempt for the speaker. Believe me, Wiener, I was offering no exclusive indictment. I, too, am guilty, infinitely culpable. Even if I had devoted my life to pure science, perhaps even more certainly then, patterning myself in a medieval monastic, faithful to vows of poverty and singleness of purpose, even if I had not for an apparently laudable end betrayed my efforts to a base greed, even if I had never picked for a moment's use such an unworthy, do not be insulted again, Wiener, unworthiness is a fact, in so far as there are any facts at all, such an unworthy tool as yourself. Even if I had never compounded the metamorphizer, even if I had been a biologist or an astronomer, even then I should be guilty of ruining the Dinkmans and making them homeless, just as you are guilty, and the reporter here is guilty, and the garbage man is guilty, and the pastor in his pulpit is guilty. Guilty, exclaimed Gutz suddenly. Guilty. What kind of a lousy newspaper man am I? worrying about guilt and solutions in the face of impending calamity, instead of serving it red-hot to a palpitating public. Guilty. Hell, I ought to be fired. Or anyway, shot. Where's the phone? I manage a minimum of privacy in spite of inquiring reporters and unemployed canvassers. I have no telephone. Okay. Hold everything's. I return immediate. I followed him, for I had no desire to be left alone with someone who might prove dangerous. But his long legs took him quickly out of sight before I could catch him, even by running, and so I fell into a more sedate pace. All Miss Francis's metaphysical talk was beyond me, but what little I could make of it was pure nonsense. Guilty. Why, I had never done anything illegal in my life, unless taking a glass of beer in dry territory be so accounted. All this talk about guilt suggested some sort of inverted delusions of persecution. How sad it was the eccentricity of genius so often turned its possessors into cranks. I was thankful to be of mere normal intelligence. But I wasted no more thought on her, putting the whole episode of the metamorphizer behind me, for now I had some liquid capital. It was true it didn't amount to much but it existed, crinkled in my pocket, and I was sure with my experience and native ability I could turn the daily intelligencer's forty dollars into a much larger sum. But a resolve to forget the metamorphizer didn't enable me to escape Mrs. Dinkman's lawn. Walking down Hollywood Boulevard, formulating, rejecting, and reshaping plans for my future, I passed a radio shop, and from a loudspeaker hung over the door with the evident purpose of inducing suggestible pedestrians to rush in and purchase sets, the latest report of the Devil Grass's advance was blared out at me. Station KPAR, the voice of Edendale, reaching you from a portable transmitter located in the street in front of what was formerly the residence of Mr. and Mrs. Dinkman. 
I guess you've all heard the story of how their lawn was allegedly sprinkled with some chemical which made the grass run wild. I don't know anything about that, but I want to tell you this grass is certainly running wild. It must be fifteen or sixteen feet high. Think of that, folks. Nearly as high as three men standing on each other's shoulders. It's covered the roof halfway to the peak, and it's choking the windows and doorways of the houses on either side. It's all over the sidewalk. Looks like an enormous green woolly rug. No, that's not quite right. Anyway, it's all over the sidewalk, and it would be right out here in the street where I'm talking to you from if the fire department wasn't on the job constantly chopping off the creeping ends as they come over the curb. I want to tell you folks it's a frightening sight to see grass, the same kind of grass growing in your backyard or mine, magnified, or maybe I mean multiplied, a hundred times or maybe more, and coming at you as if it was an enemy. Only the cold steel of the fireman's axe saving you from it. While we're waiting for some action, folks, well, not exactly that. The grass is giving us plenty of action, all right. I'll try to bring you some impressions of the people in the street, literally in the street because the sidewalk is covered with grass. Pardon me, sir, would you like to say a few words to the unseen audience of Station KPAR? Speak right into the microphone, sir. Let's have your name first. Don't be bashful. Ha <laughs> ha, gentleman doesn't care to give his name. Well, that's all right, quite all right. Just what do you think of this phenomenon? How does it impress you? Are you disturbed by the sight of this riot of vegetation? Right into the microphone. Uh, hello? Well, I guess I haven't, uh, anything much to say. Pretty color. Bad stuff, I guess. Glad's not growing my yard. Yes, go right on, sir. Oh, the gentleman is through. Very interesting, and thank you. They're bringing up a whole crew of weed burners now, going to try and get this thing under control. The men all have tanks of oil or kerosene on their backs. Wait a minute, folks. I want to find out for sure whether it's oil or kerosene. Mumble, mumble. Well, folks, I'm sorry, but this gentleman doesn't know exactly what's in the tanks. Anyway, it's kerosene or oil, and there are long hoses with wide nozzles at the end. Something like vacuum cleaners. Well, that's not quite right. Anyway, they're lighting the nozzles now. Makes a big whoosh. Now I'll bring the microphone closer, and maybe you can catch the noise of the flame. Hear it? That's quite a roar. I guess old Mr. Grass is cooked now. Now these boys are advancing in a straight line from the street up over the curb, holding their fiery torches in front of them. The devil grass is shriveling up. Yes, sir, it's shriveling right up, like a gob of tobacco juice on a hot stove. They've burned about two feet of it away already. Nothing left but some smoking stems. Quite a lot of smoking stems. A regular compact mass of them. But all the green stuff has been burned right off. Yes, folks, burned clean off. I wish we had television here so I could show you how that thick pad of stems lies there without a bit of life left in it. Now they're uncovering the sidewalk. I'm following right behind with the microphone. Maybe you can hear the roar of the weed burners again. Now I'd like to have you keep in mind the height of this grass. You never saw grass as tall as this unless you've been in the jungle or South America or someplace where grass grows this high. I mean high. Even here at the sidewalk, it's well over a man's head, seven or eight feet. And this crew is carving right into it, cutting it like steel with an acetylene torch. They're making big holes in it. 
You hear that hissing? That noise like a steam hose? Well, that's the grass shriveling. Think of it. Grass with so much sap inside it hisses. It's drying right up in a one, two, three. Now the top part is falling down, toppling forward, coming like a breaking wave. Oops. Hey, it put out one of the torches by smothering it. Drowned it in grass. Nothing serious. The boys got it lit again. Progress is slow here, folks. You've got to realize this stuff's about ten feet high. Further in, it's anyway sixteen feet. Fighting it's like battling an octopus with a million arms. The stuff writhes around and grows all the time. It's terrific. Imagine tangles of barbed wire, hundreds and hundreds of bales or rolls or however barbed wire comes, covering your front yard and house. Only it isn't barbed wire at all but green living grass. Just a minute, folks. I'm having a little trouble with my microphone cable. Nothing serious, you understand, tangled a bit in the grass behind me. Those burnt stems. Stand by for just a minute. This is KPAR, the voice of Edendale. Due to mechanical difficulties, there will be a brief musical interlude until contact is resumed with our portable transmitter, bringing you an on-the-spot account of the unusual grass. A.R.'s portable transmitter. Here I am again, folks, in the street in front of the Dinkman residence. A little out of breath, but none the worse off. Ready to resume the blow-by-blow -blow story of the fight against the devilgrass. There was a little trouble back there, but it's all right now. Seems the weed burners hadn't quite finished off the grass in the parkway strip between the curb and the sidewalk, and after I dragged my microphone cable across it, it sort of... Well, it sort of came to life again and tangled up the cable. It's all right now, though. Everything's under control. The boys with the weed burners have come back and are going over the parkway strip again, just to make sure. I want to tell you, this stuff really can grow. It's amazing, simply amazing. You've heard of plants growing while you look at them, while well, this grows while you don't look at it. It grows while your back is turned. Just to give you an example, while the boys have been busy a second time with the parkway strip, the grass has come back and grown again over all they burned up beyond the sidewalk. And now it's starting to come back over the concrete. You can actually see it move. The creepers run out in front and crawl ahead like thousands of little green snakes. Imagine seeing grass traveling forward like an army of worms. An army you can't stop because it's alive. Alive and coming at you. It's alive. It's alive! It's a... This is Station KPAR. We will resume our regular programs immediately following the time signal. Now, we bring you a message from the manufacturers of Chewachalk, the candy laxative with the hole. I continued thoughtfully down the street. The daily intelligencer was spread on a newsstand, a smudgy black bannerhead fouling its pure bosom. City Council meets to end grass menace. I trusted so, quickly. I was tired of Mrs. Dinkman's lawn. End of Chapter 2, Part A